Well, thank you, Daniel. Uh, appreciate that. Congratulations to all our seniors. I know what a weird time to graduate, uh, but it's super exciting and look forward to seeing where God takes you uh, in these next chapters of your life. And I know, you know, people are talking a lot about, man, just with the pandemic going on and all the chaos and violence that's happening, what a weird inner time to enter into the quote real world. But I'm excited because these are outstanding young men and women who have been developed. Many uh, have been developed by you spiritually as you've helped them to mature in their walk with Christ. Uh, parents, congratulations, great job. And we look forward to hearing great things from these students as they go on into the next chapter, uh, as they make a difference. These guys are being sent out as difference makers into the world and God has a calling on their life. I know I've got, we've got some folks graduating college, have just graduated college as well. Same kind of deal. Uh, they're going out to make a difference. And so we're proud of them and hope you know that we are proud of you and wish we could all be here together to celebrate and clap for you, but know that we're clapping from a distance and we expect great things from you. We expect to hear wonderful things that you're doing, uh, how you're advancing the gospel, how you're making an impact, uh, how you are changing the world, uh, how God has developed you and trained you. And so in kind of light of all that and, and considering our graduates and entering into the world as it is today, I know that there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of heaviness, uh, definitely on my heart and on many of your hearts too about all the violence that we're seeing, the, the chaos, the evidence of racism, prejudice in our world. And we've been going through this Broken Before Breakthrough series and just felt compelled last night, late last night actually, of the Lord that I needed to address this issue today. We can't ignore it of what's going on. We wish it was not the case, but it is. And so as the church, God has never called us to shrink back, always to advance, always to be frontline. And so I just want to deal with that this morning. And I appreciate all of our folks that helped made the adjustment at last minute. Um, it's kind of really a focus, I guess, more on back to brokenness. Uh, because just, I know my heart breaks over the senseless death and suffering, the, the chaos, the rioting you see. I mean, there was stuff in Fort Worth and Dallas, uh, people that were rioting and causing great damage. Just uh, our nation is in chaos right now. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, the things that we've seen happening, uh, we should be concerned. We should be outraged uh, at the deaths, at the, the prejudice, racism. And I just, I just want to deal with that issue today because there's, you know, we, we can talk a good game, we can say the right things, but our actions reveal our beliefs. And I don't know how you've been processing this. I don't know how this has impacted you as the church uh, know how it's impacting me, but I'm still processing. I'm still kind of working through what in the world is going on and then what do we do about it? One of our statements here, we wanna make Burleson a better place to live for everyone, but we realize we're supposed to reach beyond that. You know, we've been fighting domestic violence, we've been fighting uh, child abuse, and, and now we need to fight racism. We need to fight against prejudice. I mean, God has called us to be an army. I love that description of the church, it's, it's an army. It's not a retreat place. It's not somewhere we just come to be comfortable, but we need to be uncomfortable. We need to deal with this stuff in our own hearts. The Bible is very clear on our Christian response to injustice. We are to be promoters of justice, to be righteous people. And, but this is a reality that can easily be covered over 
comments, you know, a year ago, wow, you know, racism is dead in America. That's just, that's insane to even think that way because obviously it's not. And I, I realize that that's a struggle for some of us even in the church. And I just want to challenge you to really look inside. Is racism a part of your thinking? Do you find prejudice? And, and not just against races, but against economic status, against accents, against different locations, against north versus south. I mean, there's all kinds of opportunity for us to be prejudiced. And honestly, we all struggle with this. We can't deny that that's a part of the world we've grown up in, and we all have to face it. But I want to challenge you in this message today that to look inside, to seek the Lord. If there's any kind of speck of racism in your life that you need to repent, if you judge somebody based on the color of their skin, based on where they're from, based on their economic status, you need to repent of that right now and ask the Lord to clean your heart. If you're prejudiced against someone because of whatever reason, you need to ask the Lord to clean your heart right now. I just want you to know racism and prejudice will not be tolerated here in our church. We will not allow that to be a part of who we are. One of the great things that we are so proud of is what God is doing in our Spanish ministry, as he is reaching Spanish-speaking people through our church, I think like never before. And just a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago, Jonathan Colon, our Spanish pastor, was speaking, and he was talking about us being, a, being an Oreo church, being a, a milk chocolate church, right? I love that description. I love that we are seeing more ethnic diversity in our church in Burleson, Texas. And I pray to God it grows even more. We become more milk chocolatey. You know, I just, that's been my prayer since the beginning, my hope that we would reach all nations that God has brought into our area, into our sphere of influence. And, and that when, they, when people of different color, different races, nations come into our church, they feel accepted as a part of the body of Christ and that that is not a, an issue here. And if it is, we're going to deal with it. <laughs> if, if we find that that's happening in our church, we're, we're going to hit that head on. And we'll have come to Jesus meetings, we'll, whatever it takes to make sure that we are viewing the world and people from a biblical standpoint, not the way the world says. But right now in the, in the heat of all this, I believe that God is calling us to stand up and step out and be bold in our comments and bold in our stance as well as our statements. God has kind of put a pause on things and, and we've been spending time focusing on one another and loving and caring for one another. And you've done a great job with this during this pandemic, but we cannot forget that that's not our only call. Our call is also to do that same thing for those outside the church, those far from God. One of our heartbeat, we wanna reach people who are far from God, that they might encounter Christ and that we might all grow in the ways of Christ. Well, we can't do that all huddled together. We have been deployed, but the truth is we're deployed every day as the church. That's not something new. God is always sending us out into the world to be difference makers, to be peacemakers. It's just been reminded in a very horrific, vivid way right now of our call. And so, again, I've changed the message that I intended to preach today, but I just felt compelled to the Holy Spirit last night that we've got to talk about this. And I hope you're talking about it in your life groups. And I hope you're talking about it in your families. I hope you're not ignoring what's going on. You know, the, the weird thing about this is we've seen it. 
We haven't just heard the stories. We've seen it. We've seen the recordings. We've, we've seen the, the murder of George Floyd senselessly because a cop had his knee on the guy's neck. It just, it just blows my mind. Just a couple of weeks ago, Ahmaud Arbery in, in being shot by a father and son jogging down the road because they thought he was stealing. And they took the law in their own hands, and because that, a guy is dead. And we're seeing that. We've seen it on video. We can't act like we're insulated and protected from all this. This is the reality in the world that we live in. So what do we do about it? Shake our heads, oh, it's terrible, I'm, I wish that hadn't happened. No, we got to do more than that. God didn't call this church to be passive. We're to aggressively pursue righteousness, aggressively pursue justice, and fight against injustice. That's what he's called us to do. That's the church I want to be a part of. Now, I realize our city, Burleson, has a pretty rough reputation when it comes to racism. Racism has been a part of our past. I realize some of you guys were raised by racist parents. You were raised in that culture to judge and condemn and hate people you didn't understand. Hey, if that's the way you were raised, you can stop that chain right now. If that's the way you think, you need to deal with that right now. The Bible says we cannot say that we hate a brother or sister. Take that to extreme. You can't say that you hate another person, but yet you love God. If you hate someone else, the kingdom of God is not in you. Jesus was very clear about this. If you say you're a Christ follower, but yet you hate someone because of whatever, then you're not a Christ follower. The Holy Spirit is not in you because God is love. Our response always is to love. To the extreme, to sacrifice, to love. That's what we're called to do. 1 John 3, 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And anyone knows that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. To hate someone is to desire murder. To desire the death of that person. And that is the world in which we live right now. We've got to take a stand. The Bible says we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And there's no qualifier for neighbor. That means everyone. To love others, people we don't understand, people we don't even like, people that don't like us. But we're to love them. Jesus said we're to pray for our enemies, bless those who persecute us. That's the Jesus way. That's the way we're called to live, not as the world lives. And, and that's the danger that we experience in our own lives. The proportion of our relationship to Christ, the depth of our relationship to Christ, the deeper we go, the more risk it involves. I hope you realize that when you gave your life to Christ, as we say in the church, invited Jesus into your heart, you signed up to die. You signed up to risk, you signed up to sacrifice for the kingdom of God, not your agenda, not your feelings, 
not the way you were raised, but for the kingdom of God. And we're called to live differently. This morning, I just want to go to Romans chapter 12. This is, part of this is a message I preached last year in a series called Radical Hospitality. This morning, focusing on that in this radical love that God has called us to live especially in the light of the chaos and pain that's going on in our world. Let me just read for you Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, a view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul, first of all, starts out giving us the description of a living sacrifice. That's an oxymoron, right? Sacrifices die. But that's exactly what he's saying. We have died to self, but we are alive to Christ. We were dead in our sin. Jesus made us alive. We've died to self-agendas, self-motives, self-prejudice. We've died to all that. We've died to sin that we might be alive to God. And that's how we live our life, focused on Jesus drawing people to Jesus, pointing the world to Jesus. I appreciate and I love the way that we've cared for each other during this pandemic, but let's not forget we are to reach the world. To the same level of care we've shown one another in the church, we're to extend that to those who are far from God. That's the only thing that's going to save. That's the only thing that's going to change Burleson. It is the gospel. And then look at verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There's a list of moral imperatives that he gives us to describe what a living sacrifice looks like. His first focus is how we treat one another in the church, in the, in the family of God. And this is how we're to respond. He gives us a test to see if our love is really sincere. And in the Greek, that, that word is sincere love. It's not to love sincerely. It's actually sincere love. It is God's love. It is the real love. That is the love we're to share with one another. The same love we receive from God, we're to share that with one another. And he's setting this all up, first of all, helping us to focus on loving one another. And then eventually he's going to take it to loving the world in the same manner that we love each other. Not hypocritical, not just saying the right thing because it's the right thing to say, but living the right way, living righteously towards one another. His point is if Christians can't get along with each other, how can we expect to get along with the world, with those who don't believe? So the first test if our love is sincere is that we're devoted to one another, that we outdo one another in showing honor to one another. I'm gonna out-honor you, right? That's, that's our focus. In other words, what can I do today to make your life better? That should be all of our attitudes. When we come together, as we meet in life groups, as we meet in homes, as we live and breathe, that is my goal. Every day, how can I add value to someone's life today? This is where he points us. Submit to one another. 
recognize the value in one another, to recognize that every person who's ever been created has been created in the image of God. We are all image bearers for those who recognize it and those who don't. In our church, we believe that the gospel is for all people, that Jesus died to save all, regardless of color, regardless of creed, regardless of thought, regardless of location. Jesus died to save the world. So what Paul is saying is Christian love is not a feeling, it is an action. It is a commitment. This love that we have as Christians, I love this definition, it leads to a violent hatred of evil and a tenacious attachment to what is good. As you process what is happening in regards to racism and prejudice in our nation, how do you feel about it? What is your initial response? What do you believe about it? And is what you believe what you should believe? Is what you believe about it what the Bible says we're to believe? Hate what is evil. Do you hate evil? Or do you allow it to remain in your life? Because if we allow it to remain, we will serve it. Cling to what is good. And that's just to hold on with all our might to what is good. We are to be promoters of good in the church. Whatever it costs us, this is our goal. People asking the question, is it right for a Christian to protest? You better believe it is. To protest peacefully, to protest legally. But yes, we are called to stand up for what we believe. May our actions match our words. May we be bold and courageous in standing up for what we believe against the injustice of the world, against evil that exists in the world. Evil is here because of our sin. We're the ones to blame. But God has redeemed us and given us the calling and the strength to stand up and fight against it. And the only way we do this is by sharing the love the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that saves for eternity. There will always be evil until Jesus comes. There will always be pain and suffering. But all that gives us as a church an opportunity to be real about it, to be honest about it, to get angry about it, but to do something about it. Not to sit quietly by and let people suffer and not just for other believers, but for the world. Not only to practice love and believe in love, but to pursue it with those that we don't understand. As humans, we have a tendency to fear and judge what we don't understand. We apply that to people as much as to anything else. And that's where racism and prejudice come into play. We judge because we don't know. We fear because we don't understand. But God's love overcomes all of that. John Stott put it this way, we're not only to receive the stranger when he comes to us, but actually to inquire after and look carefully for strangers, to pursue them and search them out everywhere, lest perchance somewhere they may stay in the streets or lie without a roof over their heads. It's the story of the great Samaritan, right? 
You remember who it was that helped the Jewish guy in the ditch? It was a Samaritan, his mortal enemy, who based on prejudice could have walked by just like the other guys did. But Jesus demonstrated, used that story to demonstrate that in God's eyes, we were all equal. We were all created equal. And the heart of the church should be the same as we view people. I've shared the story of Rosaria Butterfield with you before. Rosaria was a lesbian. She was a crusader for the LGBTQ. She was demonstrative. She was forceful. She was aggressive and trying to silence the, the gospel message. She wrote an op-ed against promise keepers, the, the men's movement. And then there was a pastor in her town that read that op-ed and he was impressed by her writing, but concerned about her beliefs. So he did something radical. He invited her over for dinner, not to debate her, not even to try to invite her to church, just to show her the love of Christ. In her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, she says he didn't even talk to Jesus. He didn't even talk about Jesus to me. He didn't read scripture to me. He didn't give me an invitation to church. He just got to know me for who I am. And after a series of dinners and a series of meetings together, eventually Rosaria gave her life to Christ. And now rather than crusading for LGBTQ, she's crusading for the gospel. That's radical love becoming uncomfortable, stepping into reality, not away from it, but showing, demonstrating the love of Christ to reach those who are far from him. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. So Paul kind of turns his focus of how Christians are to love one another to now how do we love those who are far from God? And he says you love them the same way. The same level of sacrifice, the same level of concern, the same level of blessing. In fact, the word he uses for blessing here is where we get our word eulogy, to speak good about someone's life. If you've gone to a funeral, you've heard someone eulogize the person who is dead. And they share about their life, the highlights, the good, the influence. Well, it takes the power of God to be able to eulogize a living enemy. To eulogize, to speak blessing, to speak positive words about someone who is coming against you. Someone you don't understand someone who doesn't like you. This is the extreme. But that's the power of God in our life. That's the righteousness that we experience. To associate with all types of people. To not draw lines on who we will and who we will not communicate with or commune with. Again, maybe your issue is not racism, maybe it's just prejudice. You don't like people that make more money than you. You don't like poor people. You don't like people that drive slow in the left lane, right? We all have these battles of prejudice. People we don't like because we don't know them. Paul deals with that head on. 
Then he takes it even further. Look at verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That seems impossible. How do you do what's right in the eyes of everyone? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Let's not forget God is in control. God is aware of all the chaos that we are seeing right now. God is aware of the hatred and the prejudice and the racism and the sin and the evil and the violence that is in our world. And he is in control, even though it doesn't look like it. And he is bringing about his plan, his will, his design. And in the meantime, we are to be the voice of truth. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not blaming others, not basing my reactions on how someone else reacts, not basing my level of love on whether somebody loves me back or not, but as far as it depends on me, I take the initiative. I do the right thing. Live at peace. That's the word, peace. Peace with everyone. We are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is our calling as the church. Do what you can to live at peace with the world. He's not calling us to compromise our beliefs or compromise God's moral standards. He's calling us to stand up and do what is right. I truly believe that the world has no tolerance for a church who doesn't stand for something. Why would you want to believe in a group of people who don't fight for anything? who don't stand up for what is right, who may say a lot of cool things, but they never do anything about it. That's not the church I want to be in. I hope it's not the church you want to be in. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. There is evil in the world. The only way to overcome it, here's the promise, is with good. Not our good, but the good of Christ who loves unconditionally. And we've got to be honest. Even though we're citizens of heaven, we live in a sin-soaked world. This world is full of evil. And I, I look forward to getting to go to heaven. No doubt, we, we all do. I saw some posts today uh, as the space shuttle left the earth Everybody was saying, oh, that's a great idea. It's a great, it's a great time to get off the planet Earth right now. But for whatever reason, God is leaving us here that we might be the voice of truth, that we might be the voice of justice, that we might fight against the evil and suffering in this world. And the only way to do that, the only weapon we have is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, it's a battle not to conform to the world. It's a daily battle. There's plenty of temptation, opportunity for us to conform to the world. But Paul made it clear, do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to the way of thinking of this world. But be transformed in your thinking by the renewing of your mind. Only God can do that. And after the renewing of our mind, our actions will follow and we will stand up, overcome evil. Hey, loving our neighbor 
can get very messy. In order to love the stranger, we have to get strange. We have to do things that will shock people. We have to do things that may be uncomfortable for us. Rosaria Butterfield said this, when we decide to represent Jesus in our neighborhoods, we lose the right to protect our own reputations. There's no way not to lose skin in this game. What a great statement. There is no way to do this other than to fight this battle on the front line. To speak up, to tweet, to post words of justice, words of truth, words of God, to petition, to protest, to write letters, to vote. We have all these legal, peaceful opportunities to make a difference in the world. And now maybe probably more than any other time in our lifetime is that time. So I want to challenge you in a couple ways. First of all, to stand up for what is right. Let's let our voice be heard. Let's do it constructively. Let's do it with positive ideas. Let's do it with words of hope and words of peace and words of strength. But let's let our feelings, our emotions, our understanding be heard. The second thing is to make sure that we are spreading love and peace wherever we go. That we are constantly showing the love and the peace of God to those around us. Whether they receive it, whether they receive us or not, this is our goal. Isaiah 58, 6, the Bible says, God says to his people, is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? And here it is, to loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. So in addition to standing up, in addition to spreading love and peace, I want to challenge you sometime over these next seven days, between now and next Sunday, to pick three days, three days in a row that you will pray and fast for our nation. That you will pray and fast against the injustice that we see going on in our nation. And during this time, you will ask God, God, what do you want me to do about it? What do you want me to do about it? And however you want to fast, not don't want to be legalistic about this. However you choose to do that, just do something. Let's start there. In fact, I want to invite you right now. I know many of you are gathering to watch this. Many of you are there with your family and homes, driveways, wherever you may be. I just want us to spend a couple minutes in prayer. Franklin Graham posted, I think yesterday, calling all Christians today to pray for our nation. Let's do that. And I'm going to ask somebody in your group, wherever you are right now, just to indicate, hey, I will pray for the group right now. And in just a minute, we're going to have a time, just there'll be some music playing, but this is a time for you to pray. And I'll close that prayer time, but maybe you want to mute me and, and you want to continue to pray. Even after I pray, you, get, you guys still want to just spend some time in prayer, do that. However you feel led by the Lord to, to handle this next part, you do it. But, but let's come together as the church and pray against racism. Pray against prejudice. 
pray against the evil that is in our world. Pray against the evil that's in our heart. The first place we have to look is inside. Back to our prayer at the first of this series. Father, is there anything in my life that is offensive to you? you might identify it so that I can repent of it and allow you to remove it. Will you just pray with me? Father, thank you for hearing the prayers and the cries of your people. And as the song says, I pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. We know that your heart breaks over racism, over prejudice, over hatred, over evil, over abuse. Our sin still breaks your heart. And God, we confess as your children that we have allowed some of this to remain in our lives. We've learned how to say the right thing and look the right way, but inside there is evil. we still cling to the death of our old life. And honestly, we don't give you control of everything. But God, I pray in these next few moments that we would humble ourselves before you. That we would be reminded in a powerful way of your love for us, of your love for all human beings. And today we would commit together as a body of believers at First Burleson, as the church universal, that we will stand for justice and stand against those who commit injustices. We know where it comes from. We know the root of all evil. And you have given us the victory. The world needs to know it. God, I would ask that you would choose First Baptist Burleson to start here to bring about a great awakening. 
You have leveled the playing field. You have removed the obstacles. You have reminded us that we've been set free. Use us to change the world. And God, I would ask you today that in our nation, in our world, that you would save millions of people. As we commit before you to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name.